Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's like a very basic acting thing where it's like the the king doesn't tell the audience who the king is. The court tells the audience who the king is, right? Mm-hmm. It's how everybody else around him acts that lets people know who's the status. And Timmy immediately like went into the role of this is my dad who I love more than anything, you know? And so he he kind of allowed that dynamic to really flourish in a, in a beautiful way. And then he and I just became really good friends and we're playing music all the time. And But uh, what I'm, I'm referring to specifically in the scenes themselves. And uh, I just thought that was just a, a really special thing because I feel like you can believe that dynamic when you see it on screen. Latino actor and producer Oscar Isaac is one of the most sought after stars of the moment, but his focus remains on his family and time, which he knows he can't get back. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Oscar Isaac about his performances in Warner Brothers' Dune and Focus Features The Card Counter, which he received lead actor buzz out of the Venice Film Festival. Also on this episode, we talk with one of the stars of the French Dispatch, Jeffrey Wright, who discusses working with Wes Anderson and his upcoming turn as Commissioner Gordon in Matt Reeves' The Batman opposite Robert Pattinson. But first, it's our roundtable minus a Schneider this week, talking women of color in the best actress race and the buzz for Ben Affleck. It's all happening on Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Well, hello, everyone. This is Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor at Variety, here today with Janelle Riley and Jazz Stanke, because there's no dad here today. It's what Home did Alone. What you do to him? Where's Michael Alone. Schneider? Where is he? Home sweet, home alone. <laughs> Look at this. Coming <laughs> soon to a Disney Plus near you. I think he's taking a very well-deserved vacation, but I'm not sure. Vig- wait, 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 what's that word? Vacation? What's crazy? Hi, ladies. It's good to be in your presence today. And by presence, Zoom so. <laughs> yeah, and you both have much nicer rooms than I do and better lighting, and I'm starting to feel inferior. Uh, my window's open. That's, like, the only reason why. It's getting chilly in uh, in L.A. By chilly, not, chill, not Welcome. chilly. Welcome. Broke out the uh, the weighted blanket for the first time this year. Oh Pretty exciting. Gosh. But by chilly, it's 59 degrees. That is the current temperature in L.A. That's a good, that's a good degree. It's not chilly. It's just, like, it's good. It's brisk. It's fall. L.A. cold. It's yeah. brisk, baby. Yeah, especially for L.A. So let's talk about these smooth jams of the week of Oscar hunting, because that's what we do. We Oscar hunt. Oscar uh, hunting. <laughs> Oscar hunting. Um, let's talk Parallel Mothers closing New York Film Festival last week. Uh, pretty good reviews coming out of there. Pedro Moldovar. 
Um, not Spain's submission for nope. international feature. What did he do to them? <laughs> why, why Listen, in all in all fairness, I have not seen that Javier Bardem movie yet. Maybe it is a better. Oh, movie. Oh, is that what they selected? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But isn't this? Don't they sort of have a tradition of this of not picking? Well, he's Pedro been films? he's been chosen a lot. You know, okay, he's been chosen a lot and then not chosen a lot. So, I mean, I I get it doesn't have to be Pedro every single time, and I and God knows what else gets submitted in, in the running. Um, but yeah, that, that was a curveball. Listen, I, either way, Penelope Cruz is going to be in the actress conversation. That's um, great. And I think Pedro will uh, be amongst the contenders for original screenplay. And, you know, he pulled the lone director before for talk to her in 2001 when they didn't choose him that time either. Mm, I agree. This is one of her best performances in a long time. Like, it's classic. It's almost like early classic Almodovar Cruz performance. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, this is her, because I love her in Volver so much. I think that's always, that's always been her best, best for me. And I think this might be her second best. I, um, so they chose her husband's movie over her, huh? Mm, do you think it's spicy at home? <laughs> I doubt very much. <laughs> I think, I think those two are, are perfectly unbothered by anything else. <laughs> Other than their beautiful, perfect lives. They, so. they. By the way, no one's picked up her other movie yet. Official competition, right? The, really? The play, I don't think so. I, I, I haven't. I mean, I, I figure anyone get up like I'm not going to pick it up for this year. I'll wait till next year. So um, that's interesting. All I know is if the Academy nominated Penelope Cruz for nine, they uh, clearly love her, and I would not be surprised to see her nominated for this. <laughs> yeah. Can Can I just say how much I didn't know I needed to see Penelope Cruz like make that potato omelet that she makes in the movie <laughs> like she's just cutting potatoes like that alone is such a good scene yeah uh i always i always i always quote a, a friend of mine that says you know when you look like penelope cruz and you see her in a movie and she's like struggling you're like go be a model like go <laughs> like go it's just that easy kiss like just go be a model like what are you talking about you're not gonna struggle you look like that so that, I always can't take I always can't take her seriously in that way now. But no, but I do because I have a friend who actually kind of looks like her. It's it's been pointed out m- multiple times, and uh, she was telling me a story. Her friend, her name's Nicole. She was like crossing the street one time, and this like homeless guy kind of started yelling at her. It was like, "Hey, hey!" And she like whipped around, was like, "What?" And he goes, you look like Penelope Cruz. <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. I, lo- I love that this guy is like, you know, in her early Spanish work with Almodovar, you know, not the more yeah. recent. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, moving to this week now, uh, Last Duel opens in theaters. Have we all seen it? Yes. yes. Whoa, we're all on the same page. Okay. Um. First of all, starting the campaign for Ben Affleck for Best Supporting Actor, um, he makes a series of choices that in so many ways shouldn't work, and yet they do. Um, he is so fantastic. Uh, the, the audience I saw it with, I really had to marinate on this for a couple days because you don't want to say it's a fun movie. Um, yeah. But it is very <laughs> clever and subversive. And I think that, like, I appreciated it more as time went on and saw, like, some of the things where you weren't sure if it was okay to laugh 
that were very satirical and um, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But the more I think about it, the more I just just think about what a clever movie it was. So I have two I have two thoughts and two theories with this. Right. And it's, it goes exactly to what you said. It is. I am so everyone if everyone doesn't know it was written by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Nicole Holoff Center. And they have said that they've that Nicole wrote the woman parts the woman part and then Ben and Matt wrote the male parts. But the movie is structured as in three is the same story told from three different perspectives. And I'm curious to know if Ben wrote that second perspective. Me too. Yeah. Because Going with what Janelle said is that he steals the movie. And this is why I think it stands out. Him and Matt Damon, in theory, should not be playing these parts. Because they are period pieces they don't necessarily excel in. Because they're very Boston contemporary people. Because Matt and Ben are doing this their own thing. And Adam Driver seems to be the only one that understood the assignment Adam Driver <laughs> ends up like sticking out like a sore thumb and taking the background completely. Mm. And Ben is just running circles around him in that second sequence. Gonna disagree with you on that, but I understand oh, what you're oh, saying. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I I agree. I like Adam is so good, but Ben is way better in that. And he yeah, he you laugh so much at him. But Jody Coma, I'm sorry, Jody Coma is such a great actress. She and is, yeah, she's fantastic. I I thought she really had a heavy French accent based on Killing Eve. I didn't know that, you know, it was she she that wasn't her real accent. <laughs> I still can't tell you what show what her normal Me voice either. is. Me yeah. Either. Yeah. It's um, you know, when the movie starts, it's jumping around in time a lot because you see the Matt Damon point of view first. And it was a little jarring. And then I realized that that's the way they have to do it because you're going to see it. You know, it's it's done in that. Um, sorry. Um, Rashomon style. Rashomon. Is it Rashomon or Rashomon? R- 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 Rashomon. I don't know. Rashomon. Or as yeah. I kept calling this movie, Rashomon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so like that, that really pays off. So it was a movie that like, again, the more it went on, the more I appreciate it. The more time I've had away, the more I appreciate it. I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know if it's being like sold as an awards movie. You know, I, it opens this weekend and mm. I haven't heard much about it. Yeah. So, so I, God, and this is the, like, and I also like, I think I'm definitely lean on the like it side. There's definitely issues with it. And, and I think the structural making of it was the right approach, but it's also really long. It's like two thirty or something like that. And by the time you get to Jody Comer's perspective, which is, which is like the beating heart of the movie, you're so exhausted by that point that you, it's hard to like kind of give yourself to that part of the story. Um, and the awards talk has been muted because I don't know what it, what it's going to do. I think it could get a couple of texts and Ben has the tender bar, which we'll talk about in a second. So, and Jody, I think it's just going to have a hard time trying to crack anywhere near a lead actress race. So that that's it. it yeah, I, I don't know what you lead with. It's, it's not populist. It's not going to make $100 million. So what are you doing? I, I don't know. What crowd is If we come back for? in a week and this movie made $100 million over the weekend, you have to eat yeah. your shirt. 
I won't eat my shirt. The shirt? I don't know. Shirt. <laughs> um, That's the punishment. Yeah, also, yeah. Also, I put it in my uh, piece titled The, Mis- the Miseducation of Ben Affleck because I think people are like have labeled him a bad actor and we need to stop that. He's not. Um, he's a great actor. Studios need to stop relying on the MPAA to give information regarding sexual assault in movies. And we need more trigger warnings somewhere for people to see. I mean, I think if you go into like people, sh- you're right. People should should do their due diligence, you know, yeah. and if, if they yeah. know what this movie is about, like, um, but but also realistically, we know they don't <laughs> a lot of the yeah. time. A lot of time you're at the movie theater and you're like, what's playing? Yeah. Yeah, just something at the top, you know, or or like a symbol on like the poster, just something that like we need to because I just I, I I I I'm just being sensitive to anyone that like get, goes into this and sees a rape scene twice, so it, 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 it's twice, not once, twice. <laughs> I know that uh, uh, it's it's also incredibly violent um, overall. Yeah. The the duel itself is. Yeah. You know, and and like for me to like even bring up violence, and when we see so many violent movies, this is yeah. I, I all hats off to Ridley Scott who keeps coming up with creative ways to kill people. Yeah, it was it was definitely the Ridley way to do this. Like it was the most Ridley mm-hmm. like like he was like I, I can see why he was attracted to it and just went for it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's th- those battle scenes. Like yeah, you know. I think also I wonder if some of the. Some of the response has been muted because everybody's waiting on House of Gucci and they think, you know, that's going to be Ridley's play. But, you know, wh- what if it's not just throwing it? It probably is, but I'm just throwing out there. What if it's not like he deserves attention for Last Duel? <laughs> he did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, rumored House of Gucci rumored to be three hours and 15 minutes. I had two thirty, but yeah. Whatever the room is, somewhere in between that, but he, but only Ridley gets to make five hour movies between two movies. Oh, you're challenging Scorsese. He's going to come out next year. Flower Moon True. is going to be five hours long. Four, you said that. four hours. Yep. <laughs> Taking the day off work to watch the new Scorsese movie. Um, no, I, I think with Last Jaw, I was one of those people, hands up. I saw it early and I didn't do my due diligence on it. So. Yeah, had there been a war, I think my first reaction coming out of that was it was intense um, because I didn't know what was happening. Um, But, yeah, Ben is great. Where it lands in crafts, I think I agree with what you just said. People are going to wait on House of Gucci, and I think that might be the one where he and his crew get all the love. But who knows? He could... Get a double. Breaking news while we were recording because we were just talking about Pedro not getting selected for uh, f- for uh, Spain. France has just selected Titan. Yeah, saw that. Wow. I mean, are we really surprised? Yes. I felt like that. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Just because I, I, of- I, 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 I thought they were going to select happening. I just thought they were. Listen, I love Titan. Love it. Mm-hmm. But. But that again, talk about another trigger warning, by the way. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they, I don't they, know. They I'm, it. I'm the person who thinks that Teton could go all the way and get a Best Picture nomination. So you know, maybe Ooh. it's crazy, but 
Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't look, you give, don't it's you give neon. Me like that. <laughs> neon did Paris did the parasite campaign. You know, it's I, I'm seeing a similar reaction to Teton that I saw to Parasite in the early days. Awesome. Watch this face. Watch this face. So, uh, Tender Bar with uh, Ben Affleck, that could be his Oscar vehicle because he's so good in it. And he's... It is a supporting role? So it's support. Yeah, super supporting. Uh, he's, he's very good. It's a really good George Clooney uh, outing. And it's something I had noticed, like, afterwards... Is that George Clooney, I think, since Good Night and Good Luck and maybe his entire career, you could be a George Clooney fan and not like the same movies that he makes. Because I don't think he has a signature aesthetic to his movies. No, not at all. It's kind yeah. of what I love. Like I, Yeah, what I love about him, too, which, like, listen, I, Midnight Sky, I think, is his best movie. And then the people didn't like that. And the, and the same people who didn't like Midnight Sky will say Suburbicon was great. And and I'm like, oh no, not really. But we'll, we'll, I won't we'll, stand we'll for this, this. leatherheads erasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's people who love leatherheads, and some people who don't like. So yeah, it was interesting in that way. So I think uh, Affleck adapted screenplay, possibly on the table, and I think Christopher Lloyd is actually really great in it. And I wish he gets his. I wish he would get his Oscar moment. I Christopher Lloyd. It's so weird. He's finally the age to be playing roles like Doc Brown which he shouldn't have been playing 20, 30 years ago. And he's, he's so good. He never got attention, you know, from awards yeah. people in the past when he was like so consistently good in everything. So I'm so, anytime he pops up in, in anything, I'm so thrilled. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd love. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd love till the end. All right. And, end on uh, some best actress talk, my column this week deals with, Women of color not factoring into the best actress race. There seems to be, and not saying that there's a lack of women of color because there are women of color in films this year. Just Oscar, we know Oscar, and they don't look that way, or you know what's you know overtly obvious. And of the four acting races this this year, I find lead actress to be the weakest. I think it's I think it's really top heavy. Quite a few um, in supporting actress, but you're right. I, I'm not seeing many front runners. I guess you would say in the lead actress race. Yeah, what, what's funny though? I think supporting actress is the most competitive of the of the four this year. Oh my god! Already, it's insane. Mm, that's yeah. crazy. And still, so much left to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we have uh, just quick check in on contenders. I mean, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Uh, I depend on your mileage. Jessica Chastain, I think, is in the hunt very much so for the eyes of Tammy Faye. We've got Francis, Francis McDormand entered the conversation at uh, in New York with Tragedy of Macbeth. Olivia Coleman is that Olivia is Coleman. a supporting role. What Francis McDormand? Yeah, you don't think that's a supporting role? No, not not even in the slightest. I don't think I don't even think it's a I don't think it's a close call, but. You know, someone someone can g- give me their argument. I will listen otherwise. Oh, you want me to argue with you? No, no, I don't. Want, I never want to argue with you. <laughs> We're best friends. Uh, and then we we await the we await to see Nicole Kidman, Lady Gaga, and Rachel Zegler. And then of things that we have seen, women of color, Jennifer Hudson for Respect, which feels like five hundred years ago. Uh, I adore. Tessa Thompson in passing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. We still have Shantae Adams in A Journal for Jordan. 
is, you yeah, know, one know question mark at least. Yeah. 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 There's a few question marks out there. Yeah. And, and Halle Berry and Bruce, she is an Oscar winner and she could direct herself to an Oscar. Who knows? I'll just throw out um, Gemma Chan and Inter- in Eternals. Well, I know it's a Marvel movie, but Go for love it. me nope, some Gemma nope, Chan. That's what, it's a Chloe Zhao film. Need. Let's see. <laughs> Do it. Nothing would make me happier than that to just blow up and be like, oh, yeah, Gemma. First of all, Gemma Chan is like due for some love, and I'm waiting for her to get that role that like catapults her that way. And we also have not had a Asian woman nominated for lead actress ever. Oh, believe me, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Forever. Um, and then I'm trying to see if there's anything else that's like in the... Also, a, a small movie, but I wish more people would see it. Natalie Morales in Language Lessons, which she, oh, I which loved she wrote that and directed. Mm, loved that movie. Isn't it so sweet? It's really clever. I was, I was so over movies kind of made over Zoom. And first of all, it's not set in the pandemic. It's set over Zoom mm-hmm. for a good reason, and it is so clever. And it just from scene to scene, I was just so fascinated by how they held my interest. And yeah, she's fantastic. Mark Duplass is fantastic. I really, really like that movie. Oh, let's not forget Taylor Page and Zola. Oh yeah. I mean, I I don't think Can't it's happening, Zola. but I love her. Love her. I don't think so either. But you know, we can you can you know people can hope and try. But again, like this becomes a conversation. Like there are there are candidates, but they don't look that way. Like we, we know, like I love Tessa Thompson and I feel like if more people watched passing and it's not, and it's not like overtly loud in a performance, it's subtle. It does a lot of things that, you know, quieter performances have a hard time. And now, and now that we know that, Oh, good. Jazz. So I was just going to say, it's a beautiful film and it's a gorgeous, like, directorial debut from Rebecca Hall. But yeah, Tessa is. Oh, she'll steal your heart in this film. Yeah. Too late. She stole it long ago. I, I know that's true. I've been in love with Tessa for <laughs> quite some time. Um, now that we know that Katrina Balf will be in supporting actress, as broken here this week, that Belfast, everyone's supporting except for Jude Hill. They let the kid go lead. He is the lead, though, right? Like, normally. Yes, it was yeah. 100% yeah, yeah. the right so, call. Yes, for this. 100%. Yeah. And thank you for saying Katrina Balf's name correctly, because people uh, I have believe not it's been... Katarina. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, she because uh, we're going to have her on the podcast soon. She taught me how to say Kieran Hines. Kieran Hines, yeah, Kieran Hines. Kieran, Kieran. like, oh, Kieran, like it's up. Here's breaking news: Judy Dench has never seen The Godfather. Really? The faces. Hmm. If we could have screenshot your faces, I learned that I yesterday I, in a panel interesting. with Jamie and Katrina. Wow. Yeah. Well, if Judy's nominated, she'll be the second oldest actress ever to be nominated for supporting actress. I have a funny Judy Dench, Kenneth Branagh story, but I will save it for later because I feel like we're going to be talking about Belfast all season. That's fine. All day. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so we'll see you guys next week. We love you. Bye. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye. We Bye, miss Mike you, Michael. Schneider. See you next week, Mike. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis. You know Oscar Isaac by his other names such as Poe Dameron, Lewin Davis, 
Abel Morales, or who can forget the dance sensation himself that was Nathan. After the completion of the HBO limited series Scenes from a Marriage with Jessica Chastain, get ready to add two more to the list. The first as Duke Atreides, the leader of the Iraqis and father to Timothy Chalamet's Paul in Denny Villeneuve's Dune. The other as William Tell, an ex-military and gambling man who counts cards and has fantastic chemistry with his on-screen love interest, Tiffany Haddish, in Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. And am I trying to justify what we did? No. Nothing. Nothing can justify what we did. Your father understood that. If you were there, you could understand. Otherwise, there's no understanding. The Card Counter premiered at the Venice Film Festival before making a surprise stop at Telluride, where Latino actor Oscar Isaac picked up some major Oscar buzz for his performance in the film. Written and directed by famed taxi driver and Raging Bull scribe Paul Schrader, who received his first Oscar nomination for First Reformed, the buzz has been building for weeks for the film that's already opened in theaters. But before that, we begin our chat with Oscar Isaac talking about this moment in his career as one of the biggest stars in Hollywood and what it's been like for him post-Juilliard. It's been really good. I, 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 uh, I was really happy just that these projects finally saw the light of day. You know, there was such a bottlenecking of, of, of things. So I know it feels like this guy's everywhere. It's so annoying. But that wasn't by design, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, again, just like it's a it's a really exciting thing because it's stuff that I'm really proud of and happy that I did and was longing for, you know, to be able to just kind of get back in the uh, the trenches with some real character studies and, um, and you know, getting to work with, like you said, really amazing people. Um, Jessica and I had been talking about doing something for a long time. And as soon as scenes came my way, I, I reached out to her before it was even mine. And I said, hey, this is you know, this is out there. They're going to do this. I haven't gotten the offer on it, but I feel like if it happens, you know, it should be the two of us. And, uh, and, you know, the, the gods made sure that did happen. And, uh, it was, it was a, a powerful experience to shoot it, especially during COVID, you know, right in the, right in the thick of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the dream of working with Paul, uh, Schrader on the card counter, which, you know, that was a long time coming because it was one of my first auditions out of school 20 years ago was basically, it was for Paul. Oh, It was in a strip mall somewhere in the Valley. And uh, he had like this black box theater that he had rented. And I showed up and uh, auditioned and he was sitting in the audience there. There was like little sets on the stage. And I got the part. It was for a movie called The Jesuit. And, and then I remember in his, you know, unconventional way, he sent me a DVD of all of the auditions, which was really weird. Uh, but then the movie didn't end up happening. I mean, eventually it did and he didn't end up directing it. And, um, but, uh, but it didn't happen for us, but we kept in touch. And I, I wrote to him after first reform, just saying how moved I was and how it was my favorite film of that year. And, and then a year later he wrote to me saying, I, I have a script that I wrote for you. Well, not for you, but you're the first person I'm going to. Yeah. And, uh, 
And uh, and then I said, no, we, we can keep that original story. Hey, you've already specifically for you. He wanted Oscar Isaac only. I just love that he even writes it in the email, like teases me with it's for me. But actually, you know what? Not really. Don't get a big hit. And uh, and uh, and then it ended up happening. So that was just a you know it was a thrill, and it was that you know it was the kind of thing where he just lobbed up a whole world of a character to create. You know, it's like learning how to do cardistry with the cards, you know, learning about Leavenworth, uh, uh, taking penmanship courses. Cause I, I, you know, I had the journal and I wanted this guy to write in a very controlled cursive, um, uh, you know, uh, just thing, you know, element after element that uh, he just kind of lays out a playground, uh, which was just, just so much fun. Uh, they still, they still hold penmanship courses Cause like Mike, it, uh, I remember I just moved to LA in New Jersey, they stopped uh, teaching cursive in public yeah. schools. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, I, I, I just did like an online one where I got sent the workbook and then just okay. did, I did it as a daily practice. And I just, I, I fell in love with it actually. It was such a... Has your autograph changed, by the way, now? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, <laughs> little extra loops in there. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Um, all right, let, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's go a little more in depth with uh, Card Counter here, because, you know, work, working with Paul Schrader, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, uh, you know, finally got his Oscar nomination for First Reformed, as you mentioned, just recently, he's a legend in a lot of uh, uh, movie circles, and, you know, Isn't you get crazy? to... Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he wrote Raging Bull as well, he like, and, and, you know, it just goes to show you, it's just the, the fashion of awards you know it's like it's about it's about what's fashionable in the moment and sometimes that lines up with what's great you know yeah and oftentimes it's just you know it, it's just so much um it's very narrow <laughs> yeah i mean listen you can't you can't love awards like i do without having snubs if you have listen that's why i love you so much because inside lewin davis i'm just put out there someone has your oscar and it, it's <laughs> that year so i'm just gonna put it out there but um no, so we're going with Paul Schrader, and then we're going with Tiffany Haddish, man. You two, on paper, like, I was like, that's not going to work. And then you guys are just dancing together, it feels like. How, how, are you, first of all, are you guys best friends today? Because I feel like you guys are. You know and, what? We, we, we've had some, like, really great talks. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, a couple months ago, we just, we had, we talked for, like, an hour on the phone. I was in Budapest, and, you know, she was out in L.A., and, and we just it just we connected again and it was it was really special she even like recommended a couple books for me to read and and i read them and like they really helped and changed my life in some ways and um you know she's such such a special person which obviously is not news to anyone yeah but uh but like i said i said it's like i i feel like that must have been like what meeting jesus was like you know <laughs> but you know it's like someone that you're just like yeah i'll drop everything i'll just follow you because you just you just exude life and light and authenticity um and so I, I was so so excited when paul uh keyed in on her for the role um and and uh just also because it just makes my character look like such more like a badass you know <laughs> yeah. that you, can, you can nab her you know yeah. And, uh, and yeah i just I enjoyed working with her so much i can't say enough about how, how much i love tiff that's awesome man um you so know, too. She's so sexy. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, it's like just like, it's like the chemistry between you two is just like it's unreal. It's like mm -hmm. bouncing off the screen. It's it's so well done. I'm glad you feel that. Uh, um, when uh, you know you're doing the card counter, what kind of research did you do for the role? Because I, I, 
do you know how to car- like count cards at all now? Have you tried? Well, this is what I was saying. Like, it's just, it, you know, it wasn't even about, you know, so I can, so the audience believes, bah, 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 but it's yeah. about me believing it. Like, what do I need to do to believe myself as this, as this character? And so cardistry, you know, not card counting, because you can't show card counting, you know, but, yeah. uh, and also, you know, that, and that ends up being more of a metaphor, uh, than a literal thing because he does a bit of blackjack, but then it, it you know it transitions into poker. But really, it's about the nature of of waiting and counting the days and the minutes and the hours and uh, living in this purgatory. But uh, uh, but I, I met with some really great cardistry experts just so it looks like this is someone that has spent ten years of his life just solely messing around with cards and learning what a deck is and uh, how to how to cheat. Basically. <laughs> Uh, so I did, I did a lot of that. Um, like I said, the, 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 the penmanship was a huge thing for me. It was part of a daily practice. Uh, I, you know, playing someone that is this emotionally, um, isolated and disconnected. Uh, I went back to school with, uh, Moni Akeem, my, my old teacher from Juilliard, and we did a bunch of math, neutral mask work. Um, because, you know, Paul mentioned, you know, this is someone wearing a mask and the mask is their profession. But I, I was like, what if I take that literally? What if I actually work with a mask and like I do the cards and like what 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 are things that can be expressed through the body that that take away this, you know, very intense tool, the face. And so we, we played around with uh, how his body shifts from when he's in his purgatory, uh, aimless to when he is. Uh, uh, ignited by this new objective, by this new idea of hope and how does his body movements change. Um, and so that was something that, that uh, we worked with a lot. And I, and I, and I'm happy that when I see the film, I see that I see the, you know, the guy that seems like he's made out of marble uh, and moving and also at the same time, just floating through these weird spaces in these casinos and how suddenly that shifts. No, it's it's awesome, man. Like, uh, and looking at your career, because you're, you know, you're a Juilliard grad, and um, you know, been a great journeyman actor up until this now leading man status, which has been uh, again incredible to see again for a Latino because we don't see enough of us on screen. Ooh, have you have you felt that kind of blood, sweat, and tears, like hard work to get here? Like the, when you look back at that time of struggling to get to this point, can, do, do, does it still stick out like, yeah, that was hard. You know who I saw? I was at the Succession uh, premiere last night and I saw oh. Kevin Bray there. He, uh, he, I always fucking love seeing that guy. Yeah. He, uh, he cast me in my first speaking role in All About the Benjamins in like 1996 <laughs> or 97, you know? Uh, 2002, actually. Well, that's when it came well, out. That's when yeah. it came out, but we shot it in like, we shot it in like 90, maybe 98 or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, but I don't know. It's, it all gets mished around. But anyway, um, you know, to see him there uh, was amazing because it's just a, a reminder of like, man, I've been at this for a long time, you know? And, and yeah, there, there's, you know, there was, I remember I did, I did a movie and then I didn't work for two years, you know, I was like desperately trying to find my way. And um and so, so to feel like an internal settling in my soul as well, mm-hmm. uh, not just because like I achieved the thing, but to, I, I understand myself better as well, you know, yeah. and, you know, that, that desperation to be seen 
which, you know, I had since I was a little boy, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that has, has shifted into um, just a, more of a curiosity of the craft. And, uh, you know, the, the, this idea of like something to prove has gone away for me. Um, and I think that's actually making for more interesting work. Yeah, awesome. It's good. It's good to hear. Let's, all right, let's go to this little, uh, cheap movie that got made called Dune, right? Like 20 buck, uh, budget here. Uh, it's also fantastic and you're great in it. Denny Villeneuve, I think is top five guys working today. Like he is, he's, he's on it right now. Um, did you see the original and how did you prep uh, for this? Cause there are Dune heads out there that are going to be really meticulous about what, what uh, Denny brings to the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, luckily like I, my, my dearest friends are all nerds. So my, <laughs> my, my best friend is a Dune head and has been okay. a Dune head his entire life. And so he was like my go-to source about things. Um, even because at, at the beginning, Denis, uh, you know, called me and he's like, I, I, I'm doing Dune. I want you to be in it. I'm not sure what role, you know? And so I immediately, you know, I I, I read the book a long time ago and I, but I called my my friend. And I'm like, hey, dude, what should I be? Who should I be in this thing? Like, like I, I think there's a few things that could be interesting. Do you think I should be Duke Leto? Should I be Gurney? You know, this was because this was early days before he'd gotten his, his amazing cast. Um, and it really did feel like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the Duke. Like that's, that's, you know, it's like, even when you read him, the way he's described, you know, it's like this kind of darker olive skin and these like, you know, cheekbones and there's something, you know, hawk-like about him. And, you know, it, it, it just, uh, it, it it appealed to my sense of tragedy as well. And, <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I just, I, I just felt for him. And so, and I liked, I liked the arc that he plays. And also it allowed me to come into a world and exit that world and not be, you know, as much as I, I love it now, of course, I'm like, come on, can he come back as like a, as like a force ghost or something like that? <laughs> um, but uh, just because I- Force dyad, man, force dyad. It can come right back, you know, right- Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but, um, you know, so that all the, all, all of that is what appealed to me, but really it was Denis, you know? I mean, I've been, I've been talking to him for a long time. We've become friends. And um, I remember when it was announced, I wrote to him, like, hey, here you're doing Dune. I'm a big fan of it. He's like, oh, you're a big fan of Dune. Interesting. That was the only email back. Leaving you at the edge of your seat. You're like, I don't know. Did I just mess this up? Is this yeah, over? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's too enigmatic. But um, but no, it was uh, so it was just such a great, great opportunity. And really, what was what was um such a wonderful surprise uh was was a relationship that, that Timmy and I cultivated together, you know, because there's this thing, it just speaks to what a talented uh, actor he is. Uh, it's like a very basic acting thing where it's like the, the king doesn't tell the audience who the king is. The court tells the audience who the king is, right? Mm-hmm. It's how everybody else around him acts that lets people know who's the status. And Timmy immediately like went into the role of, this is my dad who I love more than anything, you know? And so he, he kind of allowed that, that uh, dynamic to really flourish in a, in a beautiful way. And then he and I just became really good friends and we're playing music all the time. And, um, but, uh, but, but what I'm, I'm referring to specifically in the scenes themselves 
And uh, I just thought that was just a, a really special thing because I feel like you can believe that dynamic when you see it on screen. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. And that has a lot to do. I'd say that's like eighty percent on Timmy. <laughs> and and you're his dad. Like you're Tim, you're Timmy's dad in the movie. Like it's it's such a crazy. Good, I mean, you're. 42, 42 years old. Yeah. And, yeah. and to me, he's like 25 or whatever he is. And yeah. also too talented for his own good. He needs to be brought down a notch regardless. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you guys, I really believe the father-son dynamic. I didn't think I would. Yeah. Um, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. We all came back. Um, all right. Let's, let's go a little bit into, you know, a little bit of a career retrospective here. You know, drive. Uh, I think is when people, the people at large mass masses started really noticing you uh, inside Lewin Davis. As I said, uh, your, your Oscar miss that I'll, I'll hate forever. The first team up with uh, Jessica Chastain in the Isaac Chastain universe of a most violent year, another great, fantastic uh, performance. And then obviously all the star Wars films. What do you, what do you find yourself attracted to right now? What kind of characters are you seeking? Are you even seeking any characters? You know what? It was actually talking to, to Willem Dafoe about this. Uh, and he, he put it in a way that I, since then it's like, I've made it so my own because it's just a great way of thinking about it. Cause it can be so hard, man. It can be so hard to like figure out what to do, you know? And, and the biggest commodity now is, is time, especially when you've got kids and a family and, you know, time, you'd never get that back and you can never get that. That doesn't get added to your bank account. you know. Uh, and so it becomes really difficult because it's like also I've spent like, you know, as we were just saying, like the blood, sweat and tears, I've spent, let's say, 30 years uh, trying to have people say yes, you know, and mm-hmm. like getting the shot and trying and like finding and being like, OK, no, this is the, the, I can do something with this. I can do something with this. I can. And and it's been a very small window of, of saying no to stuff, and it still feels very weird to to pass on things that I would have been even just a few years ago, but insane to say no. To. Yeah. But because you know, it's like the the the, the priorities have to shift. You know, um, as as one gets older and hopefully more mature, and one wants to be a, a father there. <laughs> yeah. So. so um, so yeah, so that's that that's been hard. But anyway, uh, it's about is there space to do something? It's not even like is the character great? Is the director great? Is the script great? It's like do I have room and the space to to make something happen? To do something uh, that means something to me? Uh, and so so I've been kind of looking at it that way, you know. Uh, and 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 I think that that's a bit more of an honest approach because it's it's less external. You know, it's more about the internal feeling of like, yeah, th- this gives me the space to to do something that means something to me and will be worth perhaps the, the pain of being away for a bit to express something that means something to me. That's you know? awesome. Um, you know, how's, this is really weird to ask, but the role of being a dad, how has that changed you in this time now? Like, you know, ver- like if you had made it, to this point, pre-child, mm. would you have would you, would you have been different? Do, do you think that this happened? I'm going to get really spiritual, but I think this is all part of the God plan for you. Of yeah, well, it happened. I want to I want to believe that because um, yeah. I think that honestly, if if this kind of stuff had had 
if this amount of um you know work was coming towards me i think i could have easily gone into burnout mode pretty quick mm-hmm. and probably burnt out everybody else on me <laughs> if i'm not doing that already <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just it's like i think of the, the brando thing is like you know i've got like 10 faces i make you know it's yeah. like, I, can't, I can't let everybody know all my faces too soon sure. <laughs> That's yeah. Not, you know. So so yeah, I think uh, I, I'm 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 happy because it just it allows for a lot of perspective. That's awesome. Um, we are in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month right now, yeah. um, and recent study came out about Latinos non shocker not being in a lot of movies over the last 13 years. Yeah. Um, you know, Latinos are in less than four percent of 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 movies. Uh, out of 53,000 um, speaking roles examined over the last 13 years, less than 4% had speaking parts, not even like lead, just speaking parts. And, you know, less than 4%. Less than 4%. Afro Latinos of, of all movies examined in the last 13 years, six had leading roles. Mm-hmm. It, 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 is, it is just. An awful thing to to to, to know we, things that we know because we don't see it but as 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 someone that is one of the you know one of the greats right now working in the business that a lot of little latino kids are looking up to what do you say to something like that what what do you see in the industry right now and what would you like to see change yeah. uh with growth well obviously I'd love to see a lot more, you know, great Latino actors out there, you know, getting getting their shot and getting a platform, getting the space to do something great, you know. And and there are those champions like, you know, like Lynn Manuel and you know, these amazing people that come around that are so few, right? Um I, you know, I I obviously want to see more of that. You know, we do have some incredible Latino directors out there, you know. I mean, you've got one of those posters right back there, you know, which is great. <laughs> you know, and what a beautiful movie that was, too. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, but I agree, you know, like there, there's also, it does feel like it's also quite, in a way, segregating, too. You know, it's like, it's like, you've got like the Latinos that'll be the, make the Latino movie. And then, you know, and then that's it. And then maybe they can have like one little speaking part in the in the white people movie, you know. And, uh, you know, so that, that relegation I'd like to see broken apart a bit more too, yeah. you know? And it, it's, a, it's a challenging time though, too, because it's like, you know, it's like the, the, the representation thing obviously is important, but I know for me, what I found really moving was not necessarily my personal story being represented, but what I found really moving was someone that was Latino that was being allowed to do everything. You know, like that, that meant everything to me. Like when I found out Raul Julia originated Betrayal on Broadway, mm-hmm. you know, as like an English guy, like that was the, you know, Harold Pinter's play was the first time it ever premiered in the United States was with Ra- a fucking Puerto Rican playing that role. You know, well, like that meant so much to me, much more than like, what you know, than seeing a play about like, you know, the, the Cuban refugees, which is important, you know, and I yes. guess it, it's like, it, it's so much more than that, you know? And what our our contributions to this country are are so much are so much more than that too, you know. And what we're what we're able to do is, is just as human beings. So 
so I, I like that. That excites me a lot, you know, yeah. uh, seeing, seeing Latinos being able to play all sorts of roles and not just relegated to like, you know, the, you know, these very specific stories that, um, you know, that, that, that feel in a way quite confining. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. that's been my point. I've been like pounding on the wall. Some of people like it's not Latinos just playing, you know, doing Latino stories. We want the yeah, It's why I talk about as president of Latino Entertainment Journalists Association, people will say, well, you have to re- review more Latino movies. I like, guess we do want to review that, but we want to tell you that we can review any movie. We can talk about any movie. Exactly. Yeah. Our points of view. Yeah. Are yeah. They shouldn't just be relegated to like that little sidebar, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, how, how, how do we do that? And I, and I think Lynn has been great at doing that, you know, by, yeah. by basically blowing up American history in that way, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah. So, so, so I think that's really important. And then also just like championing Latino voices, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I want to ask for your take on something, uh, you know, IATSE, you know, we may be headed towards a, a strike and that is, you know, workers on the set there before you get there, after you get there, a lot of them tend to be Latinos also working in that space. What is your take on this whole IATI situation and what should Hollywood be doing to full, rectify full, it? Full support. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's staggering. I mean, the, 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 I mean, the amount of, of abuse that I've seen on, on sets, you know, where it's like, we could be up on this mountain that's like totally perilous and dangerous and the sun's going down. It's like, okay, guys, go, go. And then the sun's gone. And then it's like, you just have a whole crew up there trying to, bring down lights and bring down stuff and no one gives a shit, you know, and it's, I, I, I've seen a lot of that. So I think it's, it's way past time that something's done uh, to, to really back up the people that are, you know, allowing for these movies to get made. I mean, it's like the, it's, it's critical and just as important as any, any actor or, or producer uh, for sure on those sets. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, my last bit of a uh, big question for you, cause I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get a lot of crap if I don't ask it. Just wrapped a little movie called Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously you can tell me everything that happens in it and where it's headed. But uh, interesting is just, you know, comparing how the MCU operates to, um, you know, Star Wars and Mar- like how, how is that? How is that different? And what can you tell me about it? Because you filmed it in Budapest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not much, obviously I can say, man. So you, you know that, right. But uh, you, like, I mean, you did say you could tell me the end part, like what happens at the end. Apart, and how from, the end, yeah. apart from those, apart from the, the plot, I can't yes. really say anything. Okay. Um, uh, no, it, it, it's totally different for me too. But like, this is the, this is also the first time I'm, I'm leading something this massive as well, you know? Um, and, and uh you know, being an executive producer on it, doing that, that whole thing. It's, it's uh, what it allowed is exactly what I was hoping for. It was a big risk for me, you know, cause yeah. and it was really a hard decision. Cause again, it was like, am I going to throw myself back into one of these big machines? And what is that going to mean? And I, I, I love this director, you know, this uh, Mohammed Dia, you know, I, I love the movies that he's made and this is, you know, a big shot for him. And I, I like the way he's talking about this speaking with Kevin, you know, I, like that, that was, um, you know, that, I think that when I had those conversations and I came in with some pretty big ideas as well, 
Um, and it was kind of like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to come in with these big ideas and, and if they don't like them, that's totally fair. And at least we'll know, and we're not going to be in a situation where we're fighting and doing this. And because that, that, that would, that would just be a killer situation. Like I'd be awful. And immediately we just were seeing it all really eye to eye. And, and the more I investigated the story, the more I was moved by it. And also the more I, I found so much room to do things that I've never done before. And I've, I've been curious about and wanted to. Uh, so what ended up happening was that every single morning when that alarm would go off, I could not wait to get to set. And it was the biggest workload I've ever had in my career. The biggest, the, 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 the most challenging as far as just the sheer amount of stuff we had to do and try to get done in an eight month period. And, and even yet, even with all that, the, the, the challenges of that, I just couldn't wait to get to set and to work with Ethan Hawk and May Callaway. Uh, you know, we were just like this trifecta, this unit and, and Muhammad and, uh, you know, uh, um, Benson and Benson and Moorhead, you know, uh, they were so fantastic too. And just like, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe my luck, you know, and yeah. I, I, how collaborative the situation was. So I, I, I'm really excited and hopeful, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it'll work. We, 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 we really, we, we, took some, we took some big swings, you know, and even Kevin's like, I don't like to count my chickens before they're hatched. Uh -huh. I'm feeling good, but you never know, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll look as good as it felt. <laughs> yeah. Good. Listen, you and Ethan Hawke, by the way, when I say you and Tiffany Haddish didn't make sense on paper, you and Ethan Hawke do like, I was like, that hasn't happened yet. Like, uh, that's that's crazy. crazy. He, he literally lives right down the street. Like, Does he? Oh, well, you guys, now you guys are hanging out all the time now, so that's good. You could do more movies. Uh, actually, let me ask you, what is, what's next on the docket for you? Because, you know, now people want more Oscar Isaac and like, and just like, you know, the, the, there was a nude scene in, uh, in scenes from a marriage and that's been very uh, new hot topic. And in Dune, get pretty naked. But barely though. Can, can I just say I was sort of, I was sitting with my uh, my friend Rosie Cordero, and she said, "How are you going to just tease a uh, upper leg of Oscar Isaac and not go full frontal?" But then she didn't know scenes from Marriage was coming, so that that works. There you go. There she got. She got it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what are you working on next? Uh, nothing. 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 In, nothing. In the, nothing. In, no. No. Not. Not going to do anything. So, hang out for a little while. So I got I have a graphic novel coming out called Head Wounds. Ooh. Yeah. When's that out? Through legendary. Um, it's I think it might be coming out either at the end of this year or towards uh towards uh the beginning of next year. Uh Brian Bucciolato uh, wrote wrote it and Christian Ward, who's an incredible artist. I mean, he's just about finished uh uh, uh drawing this thing, and it's just it's just astounding the artwork and uh, it's been a lot oh. of love that I made with one of the guys from my old band, uh, two of the guys from my old band and they wrote, they kind of uh, came up with the concept and the story. And so really excited about that, that coming out. Oh, that's but, awesome. Uh, as far as movies and that, I'm just kind of like letting things simmer for a bit. Going to be, a, you know, a, a human being for a bit <laughs> home with my boys, Yeah, my wife, you know, do that. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, you're you're making us proud. You're making everyone proud. You, you're you're killing it. You. So I'm just so glad to see you working as much as you do, man. And please do another musical, man. I, I or an album, something like 
the, the voice, the voice is there. We need more Oscar Isaac tunes. Oh, dude, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Listen, congratulations on everything. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Likewise. Congrats with everything. That's Oscar Isaac. Scenes from Marriage is currently streaming on HBO Max. The Card Counter is currently open in theaters. And Dune opens in theaters and debuts on HBO Max October 22nd. After the break, we are joined by Jeffrey Wright, star of The French Dispatch. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jeffrey Wright has been working for decades with memorable roles in films such as Shaft, Broken Flowers, and the Hunger Games franchise. And who can forget his Emmy-nominated turn in HBO's Westworld. He's currently co-starring in two movies in 2021. One is his beloved Felix Letter, the swan song of Daniel Craig as James Bond in the film No Time to Die. The other, he's playing Roebuck Wright, a food journalist based on an amalgamation of James Baldwin and A.J. Liebling in Searchlight Pictures' The French Dispatch. The film debuted at the Cannes Film Festival, and for his hilarious and scene-stealing turn, he's receiving some supporting actor buzz, which could bring him his long-overdue first Oscar nomination. Here with Jeffrey Wright, star of The French Dispatch from Wes Anderson. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm good. Probably better if I stop crunching ice. <laughs> as no, we man. Do this. Listen, we're in Telluride. It, we're thirsty. Gotta There's hydrate. No, you gotta hydrate. Gotta hydrate in the altitude. Thanks for taking this time with me uh, today. For just really big fan of you and, Thank you and everything that you've done up to, up to this point and including uh, French Dispatch. Thank you. Um, you know, if you don't mind, I want to start with uh, how'd you get wrapped up in Wes Anderson's world? Because you are not someone I would think would be in a Wes Anderson movie. I feel like, you know, I think there's Wes Anderson-ism people that usually go into Wes Anderson movies. And it didn't seem like it was your, uh, I would, would have never thought it. Well, he certainly has kind of, a, you know, a company of actors that he uh, has worked with over the last years. And this is my first time being in, his, in one of his films, but I, I absolutely love his, um, his work. Uh, I think there's um, a number of things about his um, signature that really kind of align with, uh, with work that I've done. One is the theatricality of his work uh, and the non-hyper-realistic um, way in which he tell a story in which he directs actors. And that's something that I've always um, admired or was drawn to um, as, um, you know, as a performer. And I think that has to do with coming out of the theater. Um, but also it has to do with, with the actors that I was interested in and inspired by as a, you know, as a, as a young and, you know, folks like Dustin Hoffman and, and, uh, um, you know any you know actors who came out of the theater and you know translated that onto film um, 
I think there's a good fit, really. And, and it's funny, when I first, you know, when I talked to Wes about, um, about this project and other things, I realized that he had seen not only films that I'd done, but he'd been to a number of plays that I've been in. And I was like, really? Really, dude? You were there. You didn't, you didn't come say hello. But he'd, he'd seen pretty much everything. And so I guess he, you know, he wanted to invite me into this circle, and he did so with this piece, which um, he, uh, he says that he wrote with me in mind. So, wow, That's awesome. Um, you know, your career, you've, You've really, you know, you've run the gamut. You've worked with some of the best, uh, you know, like Soderbergh. Uh, you've worked with uh, uh, George Clooney, uh, you know, Syriana. Um, look, you know, going through your first major roles with Harrison Ford in Presumed Innocent. Well, that was that's that's, that's not quite a major role. <laughs> that role I just You're in it. I can I'm see in, you. No, I'm a bearded blur. <laughs> if you can catch me in that movie, you're very good. That was, but that yeah, that was the first film first, you know, uh, feature film that I worked on. I'd actually done a kind of quasi-documentary in D.C. that we shot in the White House in 19... It had to be 1987, after I'd gotten out of college. And something, and I played this freedman who was an artisan working on carpets or something like that. I don't know what happened in this movie. I don't know where it is, but that was the first thing I ever did. And then Presumed Innocent came a little bit later. But it, no, I'm not kidding. I'll give anyone uh, you know, a fake dollar if they can find me in that, in that movie. But it was a great experience. I worked on that for um, about two weeks, and it was a really cool introduction into um, the you know, into set world and, and filmmaking. Had an opportunity to kind of observe Harrison Ford for, um, you know, for some time and, and uh, Alan Pakula and just understood something about like the culture of filmmaking that was really cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, I remember he showed up for the first rehearsal. I'm sitting next to Harrison. Man, this is Harrison Ford, you know, one of the biggest, biggest cats in the, in the whole thing, you know. And I'm sitting here, I think I had a subway token to get back home with him. It was like, I was about 21 years old, but that was good fun. But anyway, yeah, okay. It's cool, man. Uh, no, no. It's, I love, I, we're we're going to, it's a contest. Everyone needs to go yeah. and tweet out the Jeffrey Wright picture from uh, yeah. Presumed Innocent. Yeah, have fun. Um, let's go to... Um, your role as Roebuck Wright in French Dispatch, uh, kindred spirit of James Baldwin. This, you know, it's really uh, seems to be uh, emulating. How did you prep for the role? How did you, uh, you know, get ready for for it? Well, it's an homage to James Baldwin. When I first met Wes, he described to me this character and this story, and so he said it's a little bit. James Baldwin, maybe a little Tennessee Williams, and a lot of A.J. Liebling, who was this food critic for The New Yorker. So, you know, the guy that we came up with is kind of a Frankensteinian amalgamation of things. Not James Baldwin, but not biographical by any stretch of the imagination. That wasn't the intent. But at the same time, he is an expat in the 50s in uh, France, in this fictional town. Ennui sur, sur blasé. So for the question is, how do I justify this character in this place at that time? And so you go to Baldwin. Baldwin's, you know, the, the prime example of a black American gay uh, man, expat, 
you know, leaving the States to find a new type of freedom, to find, a, if he can, a certain type of wholeness. And so that was the inspiration. It wasn't like trying to recreate James Baldwin, and certainly in the writing, because the Roebuck tends to focus now on food or at this time, you know? So that's, um, you know, that's the Liebling side of things. And the, By the way, you're going to start a podcast about food, like just describing food. Oh, like, could be, could be. I you should. It. it is like music to my ears oh, at cool. whole sequence. Cool, it's cool. awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I dig a good meal, you know? But that was... That that too was like part of the attraction of this script because it was so delicious. You know, the descriptions were so delicious and the language was so uh, lyrical and poetical and and I just loved the architecture of the of the storytelling. I, I really felt when I read it it was one of the most beautiful pieces that anyone had ever had ever offered me to play. And so um, Yes, it, you know, there's some hints of Baldwin and, you know, you know, uh, for in obvious ways, but there's uh, a lot of other spices and flavors thrown in as well. Oh, awesome. Uh, so about, you know, the great, the great people uh, you work with. Obviously, the film is told in three separate uh, sequences, anthology. Did you get to see any of the other actors from the other uh, sequences, like Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet? Yeah, I never saw Benicio. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when the last time I've seen Benicio. No, we didn't. We didn't. We you missed didn't each other. together before on bus. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. In, yeah, in, in the early '90s. Yeah, that's the. Is this your first time in a movie? I guess since that's then? the first. This is the first movie since. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, but we missed each other by a couple of days. Um, uh, but yeah, there were you know it's a big ensemble, so people were kind of crisscrossing, and then there was like the gathering uh, in certain scenes where, where many of the writers are together. So obviously we were all there. Um, um, so um, yeah, it was. Um, I was in in, in Angoulême. France for I guess about a month working on this and it was been a while so my memory is not <laughs> as clear as it might have been. Uh, it's um, and we shot this in spring of 2019 I believe. Oh wow! And so uh, yeah, just uh, and the world just wasn't on fire. Out. Yeah, it was just a good time. It was simmering. Yeah, yeah. God. Um, yeah, actually, speaking of just like kind of time and just how that's worked, uh, you know, about the same time as Presumed Innocent, I think you shot No Time to Die, right? Around that time, because we're still waiting for it. Uh, 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 presumed Innocent, you mean French Dispatch? No, no, I was about No Time to Die, the upcoming James Bond movie. About the same time, yeah. yeah. So, yes, that's right, yeah. So I shot this in French Dis Dispatch in spring of 2019, and then I went back to Westworld shortly after that it gave me a little bit of a break from westworld to go shoot bond and i came back to westworld and then when we finished westworld in october i went back and finished up bond because daniel had gotten hurt uh during one sequence and so we had to go back and revisit some stuff Tell Daniel you can't talk crap. You have to get beat up, and then uh, he has to stop filming. That's what the joke we were making that he that he got beat up on set. Who that no? I, he, he actually, I know he formally got hurt. He was uh, it was it was a rough shoot, I think. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I was actually there. I wasn't filming that day, but I, I, hap I, I happened by set that day, and it was just, uh, it, you know, it just it's 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 tricky stuff when you do these types of films, you know, you because you're you're doing sequences certain stunt sequences or certain kind of, you know, active or action sequences and you do them repeatedly. And it was a pretty simple thing. He was running down a gangplank onto, uh, onto this, um, where this, um, 
seaplane was awaiting and he just you know I don't know how many times he was doing that and it was kind of a wobbly wooden thing and he took a wrong step and it was like hi yeah wasn't uh, wasn't a good take one other big highlight from uh, from your career uh, it's all the accolades you received uh, you have a Tony you have a Golden Globe and you have an Emmy uh, for your role as Belize and Angels in America um, which is just uh, it, we don't and as a film award as awards editor at Variety it's always great to see representation anywhere we can we can we can find it but it's also well deserved um, can you re- call that time because obviously you've received many nominations since then but that the symbolism of that moment do does it still you know uh do you still remember it fondly with angels or just winning the emmy like getting that that recognition winning the emmy yeah that was all kind of a blur to me i don't know why i mean i'd won the tony about 10 years before and that really was kind of a that was a that was a pretty big milestone in my uh in my career, I guess, because it was pretty early on, and um, and I had been acting in the theater for about seven years, and I'd done a you know a couple films here and there. I'd done a film with Sidney Poitier, a miniseries with Sidney Poitier. I'd done some other TV and um, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and but you know, but largely theater. And the reason being is because I hadn't really started acting <laughs> until I was, you know, pretty, you know, pretty late in the in the thing. I, you know, I was late in my in my, you know, my years at college, so I didn't really know what the hell I was doing, and I needed to figure it out. So I, you know, I went to NYU for a couple of months to grad school on, Z- on the uh, Zelda Fitch Handler, who ran Arena Stage in D.C., who gave me my first job there. Was also running um, the the theater program at Tisch, and she gave me. A, you know, a full ride to come up there, and I went up, and I stayed for a couple of months because the play that I'd done in D.C. at the at Arena was going to Boston, maybe coming to New York. So I wanted to do that. Lorraine Hansberry's last play. So anyway, long story short, I went to do that, and that I left school, and it started like this, you know, path of like seven years of theater to learn what it was to be an actor. That culminated with um, Angels in America. That's you know, seven years later, I was on Broadway doing that, and it was the first time in the midst of working on that play that I said to myself, okay, I'm an actor now. It was that's, a, it, when it, that's when that, it clicked? That, yeah, it was only at that point. And then some months later, I won the Tony. And and there was a lot of stuff going on in my life at that time as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a pretty significant, like, uh, I guess, rite of passage for me. So that one really, you know, that one kind of sticks out uh, among the others. And, that, you know, that one's kind of hard. That's hard to get. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of sweat, you know, on that stage to get one of those things. So I guess, yeah, if there is one, it's that one. By the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't get to mention, uh, I forgot you also worked with Bill Murray in one of, one of my favorite performances from you in Broken Flowers. Yeah. Jim Jarmusch, like, that was, I think it was one of the, one of the first times I think I, I like knew you because I, I like you I'm late to the game of like you know I've loved movies my whole life but I'm not I, I don't think I call myself a cinephile mm-hmm. like I, I've I've had to catch up on a lot of things one of my shticks is a shtick and it's it's a little badge of, of uh you know shame I haven't seen Casablanca I will I will watch it oh goodness it's kind of my thing right now yeah. I'm gonna watch it yeah but 
Uh, but the, you know, I, I didn't grow up with like you know Kurosawa and all those guys. I had to find them in college. What did you study in college? You went to Amherst. I, I, yeah, I went to Amherst. I studied political science. So, um, what was the plan then? I guess maybe law school. My mom was a lawyer. You know, I grew up about in D.C. around. You know, you know, it was like a lawyer. You bump into a lawyer on every you know on every street corner. So. Uh, yeah, I think that was the idea, and I've you know you, you know, in D.C. you know politics is kind of in your blood, so maybe I was thinking something in some way not you know non-specific, but I you know I always I was always drawn to um, issues involving uh, legislation and and law, and I was curious about the workings of government and the impact of government on lives, and I was. You know, uh, I'm kind of to to an extent because of that. I guess I, you know, because of growing up there and growing up, you know, in my mother's house, I kind of see things, see everything through a political prism yeah. to some extent, maybe to a fault. So that, you know, that was the idea. But um, I, I actually the the guy who was in the actor in my class in school in DC is now uh, ironically uh, a senator he's a senator from Colorado in fact he, Michael Bennett he was ah. he was doing Eugene Eugene O'Neill and things like that in school and I wasn't I didn't do any acting at all I was kind of afraid of it you know, I was doing other things playing you know playing lacrosse and football and stuff but I didn't start acting until I got to until so I got swap to places yeah, yeah you'd you know, be a senator and he could have been an actor. Yeah, you know, no, you know? no, I, I would I would gladly leave that work to him right now. <laughs> gladly. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Well, carry Thank on. Thank you for your service, you. Michael. You really helped yeah. out here. Um, yeah. uh, social media will get mad at me if I just don't ask, and I know that you can't say much, so I just figured I'd ask you anyway. Can you tell us the end of the Batman or what, anything that's happening with the Batman? The end of the yeah, Batman? What happens at the end? Like, what's that whole story about? <laughs> tell us something so good. Yeah, we're going to ruin the movie yeah, for you. Ruin the movie right, for right, everyone. Right, right no, here, is there right anything now? you can share about the Batman? Because you're James Gordon. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a throwback movie in many ways. I think it's... Uh, I think it's... A very uh, different um, film than you know we've seen of the films from you know this comic book genre that we're that we're inside right now, and I think it's going to be like kind of a refreshing um, uh, rethinking of the of the genre, and, and I say it's a throwback because it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a real movie. <laughs> cool man, it's you know it's. That was Jeffrey Wright, one of the stars of The French Dispatch, opening in theaters on October 22nd. No Time to Die is currently in theaters. And that's it for this edition of the Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.